when you sleep? Do you breathe through your mouth? Do you know whether that's because something going on with your oral airway or your nasal airway? Because either of those could cause mouth breathing during sleep, and of course will impact what kind of treatment you should get. Hello, welcome to Deep Into Sleep podcast. I'm Dr. Ishan, a board-certified behavioral sleep medicine specialist. There is a little device, very cheap, called Nasal Aid that you can find in most stores like CVS. Today, I invite the founder of this device, Michelle Lovato, to discuss with her journey of developing this little device to help you open up your nasal airway and help you sleep better, be healthier. Hello, welcome to Deep Into Sleep.、Um, hi, thanks hi. for having me. Hi, Michelle. Yes, welcome.、Um, so it's so interesting. I know you've been doing some awesome work in the sleep field, and you、uh, you launched a company and product. So、mm-hmm. uh, I really want to hear about your journey. How about you introduce yourself to our audience first? Well, my name is Michelle, and we make a device for nasal breathing. So, patients that are struggling to breathe through their nose, we make a really, you know, easy, simple device for them to do that. And we mainly go at, about it through the avenue of sleep medicine.、Um, so, I've been doing this. We launched a product in 2020,、um, but I, I technically started the company about seven years ago.、Um, I'm from the Bay Area, and yeah, it's great to meet you. So hold on, seven years ago, back then I think you know sleep was such a rare thing. Yeah. What what happened back then? What make you you know got you interested in it? Well, I my dad always had severe sleep apnea, so I kind of you know growing up I he was diagnosed with pretty severe sleep apnea, and at the time、um, they only had full face masks for him and.、Yeah. Because he has really poor nasal patency, if you have a full face mask and you turn the pressure all the way up, it can and your nose is collapsing in. You know, it only starts to go into your mouth, the air. So he 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 has just such a bad experience with it.、Um, and I kind of just saw how tired he would be, and kind of could see really the disease and its effects on someone's livelihood. So that was my first experience with this topic. Um, and I was in school. I was studying naturopathic medicine, and so I kind of already had the intent that I wanted to, you know, help people and help them along their their journey of wellness in an alternative way.、Um, and so I kind of used sleep to do that. Oh, cool! Yeah. So start from helping your own family members. Yes, I, exactly. Yeah, especially for sleep apnea. I can relate to that because my dad also has、uh, <laughs> severe sleep apnea, and、uh, he definitely does not like CPAP machine, especially the mask fitting. Um, yeah, that- I feel like everyone has. I whenever I talk to someone, everyone says, always says, "Oh, my dad, my dad has bad snoring and sleep apnea." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's very common, especially I grew up in China for Asians, right? It's actually there's a higher rate. For Asians,、oh, wow. I think because our、uh, bone structure,、um, so snoring and sleep apnea actually more common than some、yeah. other ethnicities.、Um, but it's 
quite underdiagnosed first, yeah. and then uh, a lot of people don't want to receive treatment. Yeah. Yeah. So for this uh, nasal device, mm. you've been um, investing, well, that help me understand, can it just replace the mask? Can it be used with CPAP machine together or it's different? Yeah, so we're over the counter. So we can't, you know, we can't make any sort of claims that it's going to help with sleep apnea. Um, but it does have its function in the current kind of treatments that are covered by insurance. So it can be used under a nasal mask, a full face mask, not under nasal pillows, though. Um, and it's great for taking a nap, you know, if you don't want to hook up your machine, but we can't say that it's for you know, sleep apnea. We do work with clinics for patients that come in and don't qualify for a CPAP or, mm -hmm. you know, a surgery, you know, maybe their AHI was a little bit too low. For that, it's a great option. Oh, so I know for CPAP machine, for people with sleep apnea, it helps you put air into your airway, right? Yes. To open up your airway in the mm -hmm. middle of the night when the airway collapses. Yes. So for your device, I know it's you cannot claim it's for sleep apnea, but for people who may not qualify uh, yes. for sleep apnea machine, how this can help them? Does this device also create some like uh, airflow? Yeah, so there's no sort of, we're not creating any sort of airflow into it, but what we, our belief is that if we just, not, if we mechanically open up the nasal airway, that air can naturally flow where it wants to go, you know, in, oh. into the nose. And so, um, you know, it just gently kind of keeps the, the nasal passages open and prevents them from collapsing in. Oh, cool. That's very interesting. Hmm. And uh, then, you know, when you got interested in this years ago, Yes. I'm sure there are different paths to go, right? What make you decide to to use this method to help people to open up the airway in this, um, you know, physical way. In the physical way. Yeah. So it, it really did start. I come from like a family of entrepreneurs. And so it started with my dad and he was kind of tinkering around with the different masks and different options that were already on the market at the time, which were like breathe right strips and, mm -hmm. um, you know, nasal cones and things like that. They all aim at the same thing. Want to try to open up the nasal airway. Everyone's trying to do the same thing. So we kind of all got together and we're thinking about, okay, how, how could we solve the problem? And that, that's, that's really how it started. And my brother is a product designer, my dad's engineer. And then I was just, you know, interested in uh, health and wellness. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. I'm so happy. There's so many people are really promoting together the health and well-being nowadays. So oh, yeah. Yeah, since you've been doing this, I'm curious, what do you notice the difficulties for, um, you know, people to try to get some help? If I know first, some people may have some breathing problems, they may yeah. not know they have sleep apnea, or they don't know what this is, or they yeah. may know, but not sure where to get help, right? What, what, what you notice about that part? That's the, the thing about sleep is that it's, um, it's kind of like a secret hidden disease that can kind of, you know, intervene in your life in these different ways and impact your life without you realizing it. And so that's something that kind of drew me to the field in general is that 
in order to kind of monitor your sleep, you kind of need someone else. And I like that, that there's most disease you can kind of, you know, you go to the doctor or you can kind of tell, you know, about your own self, but with sleep, it's a little bit harder. So the issues that I see when I work with patients or just direct to consumer is that there's so much stuff online, whether that's through Amazon or through articles that come out and, um, you know, New York Times will post an article saying these are the top five things that you need to sleep better. And there, and then and then there's the option of going to the sleep doctor. And so it's just the sleep doctor is going to recommend, you know, for sleep apnea, it's going to be CPAP, possibly a surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they're very expensive sort of therapies. And so I think it's hard to try and navigate, like, okay, what's the best pathway, which can I actually afford and which is actually backed by science. Mm, okay. Yeah. I totally, I totally understand what you're saying. I, yeah. Even myself sometimes gets overwhelmed, right. By all the information out there. Yeah. And, Especially with wellness. I think uh, the wellness industry is like, you. it's, you know, you read an article and I'll say, oh, this has been you know, passed down for many generations that it's being used, but then I don't know how that relates into, you know, my, my current like Western uh, way of treating my, you know, health. Yeah. And I think in healthcare, we always have different level of of care Mm -hmm. and uh, higher level of care, like you mentioned, maybe surgery and, you know, more severe treatment. Yes. Do everyone need it? it? It's really hard to get an individualized plan, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Or some people just need a CPAP machine forever, or some people need short-term intervention or something else. Like yeah. for people have even lighter symptoms, uh, they, they may just need some over-the-counter um, methods, like mm-hmm. what you've been providing. So it's, uh, but, but it's not something you can just Google it and uh, find all the answers. <laughs> I know. I know. And it's so crazy because, you know, if you, if you Google stuff about sleep, you're going to get like paid ads, you're going to get, you know, people who have paid to be at the top and that it can be really harmful when it comes to uh, just trying to figure out, um, you know, which doc, which doctor should you see, especially with sleep. I think I mentioned before to you that sleep was meant to be multidisciplinary. And yes. so trying to navigate that as a consumer is very difficult. Right. Definitely. Um, and I agree, even within the sleep field, different background of providers collaborate together, right? Yeah. And some sleep doctors report insomnia patients to us. Mm-hmm. And when we see a patient first time, we value them fully. We have to have some. Um, knowledge about different sleep disorders in order yeah. to get the board certification, which is really helpful because I sometimes can use certain symptoms, identify, well, maybe there's some other sleep disorders in the picture mm-hmm. that I have to refer the patient back to some sleep doctors. So I think once you're seeing a sleep provider, it's a little bit easier to navigate within the field, but it's still hard for us to it's get still there. Hard. It's still hard. And what I hear from a lot of different providers is that, you know, when you go and refer them over to ENT or, you know, say they're going from cardio to sleep, there's always a drop off. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. And even a lot of treatment out there, there are automatic treatments for insomnia. The dropout rate also high. Yeah. Yeah. And- 
that's that's something I learned from from a company that is from sleep, but mostly in cardio. Mm. It's hard to get patients to go, you know, over to the next doctor. Yeah. Oh, that's sad. I noticed in my clinic is a lot of uh, patients. They are really in a hurry. They they want to get help as soon as possible. If they have, especially insomnia, they cannot wait. If you you say you have to wait a little bit, they just go to sleep medication or whatever. It's just a lot of psychological dependence on certain things. And I think there's, I think the reason is because, you know, sleep is kind of this hidden aspect of your health, Mm -hmm. um, that by the time people are going to seek treatment, it's, you know, it's pretty bad situation by the time, but by the time they're going to see you. Yes. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Some people drag along and tried everything. I definitely saw mostly for insomnia. I definitely saw people tried almost every medication on the market. (laughs) Yeah, that's, I think what I see from the like sleep apnea side is that, you know, it's usually the partner nudging the person to go and Mm -hmm. see some doctor that, you know, we don't always know who to see, but saying, go see the doctor. And that will take years for them to say like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, and it goes back to the same thing. Cause when you close your eyes, you don't know what's going on. All I know is that I, I woke up. Right. <laughs> and so like, must've been fine. <laughs> yeah. 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 I definitely know some people with sleep apnea, they think they sleep fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Self-reporting is, is, is not always a bit. <laughs> yeah. So interesting. You mentioned a little bit about the doctor's point of view. I'm curious within the field of sleep apnea and all these different sleep disorders, since you collaborate with a lot of clinics and doctors, would mm-hmm. you have noticed the doctor's struggle <laughs> on this topic? Yeah. Well, what I've noticed and what I do communicate with doctors a lot, um, and every, you know, the dentists, they have their oral appliance. So the sleep doctors, they've got their CPAP. The surgeons, they have their methods. And it, it, it can be difficult because, you know, if you, if you see the patient and you're, you know, they're not adherent to, C, you know, to the CPAP and to try and get them over to another therapy can be really difficult. So I think something I've also heard is just like, you know, there's no benefit to a doctor necessarily referring a patient over to another area of medicine. Mm, Okay. So the referral process sounds like there's a lot of barriers. Yes, that, Mm. uh, yeah, I I would say probably just insurance. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Insurance definitely is, it's one thing a lot of people (laughs) consider and I also know the diagnosis sometimes can get delayed for years, right? Uh, reasons can be multiple. Like one thing you mentioned, the patients themselves may not see the problem, not have the motivation. Also the yeah. doctors, if they have to do a lot of referral, this process can be long. Mm-hmm. And even the patients collaborate, it's still going to be a long process. On yeah. top of that, I know a lot of doctors don't have enough sleep training, so... Patients may go to a doctor, may not find anything wrong, may not even think about sleep directly, and then that got delayed further. Yeah, that's, I think that the biggest issue that I see is that, uh, like I mentioned before, that sleep was always meant to be multidisciplinary, Mm -hmm. and there are just a lot of barriers to that actually happening in our current healthcare system right now. Right, right. So I'm curious for what you do. 
uh, is there any data you noticed by just physically opening up our nasal airway? Uh, how helpful that could be to uh, some people? Well, I mean, breathing is involved in many different aspects of your yes. of your health. Um, but yeah, there's for we haven't done any like particular clinical trials on nasal aid. We're just going off of the uh, the idea that opening up the nasal airway is what how the body is meant to be. You know, you're not supposed to breathe through your mouth. It's very simple. It's not it's not that I think that that's that's probably my biggest um, uh, point of view is that breathing and sleep should be very simple. And the way, you know, patients have to go through all of this sort of this huge process just to just to try and open up the nasal airway. It's very difficult. And you go and you talk to the sleep doctors and that they're not they're not focusing on the nose. So Mm -hmm. our whole thing is just open up the nose and the patients can be able to at least get air in through the nose. Mm -hmm. It's very simple. Yeah, yeah. So what do you think about this uh, TikTok trend for taping your mouth? <laughs> I, know, I know a lot of doctors don't like that. And yeah. sleep doctors, we hate that method and <laughs> warn people about it. But when you talk about simple ways to breathe through your nose when you sleep, people think yeah, about it. Yeah, a, a lot of mouth. people, yeah, a lot of people actually do ask me because because I've been in the industry so long, like friends and family will come and ask me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the sleep taping, I don't recommend it because if the, like we talked about before, when you see the patient, they're already usually so severe. You know, they've had this issue for, you know, many, many years. And with sleep apnea, the patient's probably actually been suffering since they were pretty young and maybe they got their tonsils removed or what have you. But by the time someone has come to the thought, I need to try and breathe through my nose, my a suggestion is always go see an ENT because if you can't breathe through your nose and you think that mouth taping is just going to automatically open up the nasal airway, it's obviously, it's a very indirect way. The way we do it is like just very direct. Okay. You need to open it up. Let's open it up like mm-hmm. physically. But the idea of mouth taping, um, it, it, again, it goes back to consumers. Like, you know, you go online, you say, what's going to help me breathe through my mouth. And maybe it's like a TikTok video that was able to rank very high and it can be very harmful to, to consumers and to patients. Yeah. I, it's hard for me to imagine, you know, if you, you not physically open up your nasal airway and now you, your body forces you to breathe through mouth when you sleep, right? Yeah. Now you don't you allow your mouth to breathe. Yeah. <laughs> and how is that going to open up your nasal airway? No. And then how are you going to breathe? That could be really hard. So yeah, I mean, my, yeah. my thing about the mouth taping is I know that there are some people that they just like, they rave about what mouth taping has done for them. So, but in my mind, those people are already okay breathers. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe the mouth taping is just going to give you that kind of extra edge, competitive edge. And, you know, the, and the types of people that mouth tape as well, they're very like competitive type of people. They're, um, you know, maybe athletes or high-performing uh, business executives, things like that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly if you are very severe already, right? Or that this yeah. method possibly going to really cause other heart problem and other things. Especially we know sleep apnea is related to heart brain problems and yeah. sequences. Yeah. 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 Hmm. So, um, so overall through you, because you've been really focusing on promoting well-being overall, and now you're, uh, you, you're doing this product over the years, what have you noticed? What have you learned that, um, surprise, either surprise yourself or that any like takeaway from this journey you've been doing? I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of takeaways that I I figured out. I'm, you know, I'm really glad that we are able to kind of be in both arenas of we're very intimate with the consumer and the consumer journey and their struggles. And as well through patients going through the medical system. And, and so I, I mean, I've learned a lot about um, someone's just journey through wellness and, and, you know, a lot of it can come from like your, your background, your cultural background and how you view health and mm-hmm. uh, that can play a huge impact on how you end up seeking treatment. Um, but I mean, yeah, I've, I've learned a ton. Something that has surprised me is that, oh, you know, one thing that's really funny is that I think we all kind of want to think that we're perfect. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, every and and we all we all kind of want to think that we can heal ourselves on our own, you know, especially when it comes to sleep. They're like, you know, oh, you're snoring, your HI is, you know, this high, and you know, everyone around you is upset and you have very low energy, you're failing at your job, and they're like, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't need a product, I don't need to see the doctor. And it's it to me that's very funny because you know we do need each other and to kind of and that that's how a good healthcare system should work is that you know we're all interdependent of each other and same thing you know communities we we rely on each other and um but yeah that that's probably the funniest thing i've come across yeah that that remind me you know a lot of sleepy problems no matter what kind of sleep problem it's there's some piece in it is about this um, misperception, mm. right? We either think ourselves in a biased way mm-hmm. or we think about sleep in a biased way. Like how yeah. should we sleep? What is good sleep? Yes. How I sleep, right? You will see all this variation. Some people think I sleep so good. Some people think yeah. I sleep so poorly, <laughs> but none of this could be correct. Right? It's all biased. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? One thing I, um, I, Arna Huffington, she wrote a book mm-hmm. and it talks about her own kind of journey of getting better sleep and wellness. And, um, and she talks about her, her background of being uh, Greek and, in her culture, she felt that they really respected sleep. And, you know, if someone's sleeping, it's good to be very quiet around, you know, that person at night. But, you know, now here, nowadays, you know, things are running around the clock 24-7. And so um, trying to get good sleep in 
you know, in that kind of system can be hard to, you know, say, okay, once it's nighttime, try and be quiet. And just that alone is kind of interesting how everyone has their own different view towards that. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if you don't view sleep and your own sleep um, in a more precise way, yeah, that, that can cause either anxiety or ignorance of certain yeah. problems, right? Yeah. What One thing that I, it's really funny um, that I've learned, I, you know, I'm constantly talking with patients and customers. Um, and there are a couple of things that have stood out to me, especially with people who have sleep apnea. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them, because I know there's this whole idea of, I think some people have kind of brought up of like chronotypes. Okay, maybe this person is really just, you know, they this is the clock that they're on and that works for them. But the sleep apnea people, a lot of them from my just speaking with them is they think that they're night owls. They're, they say, oh, you know, I... Um, I just sleep late. That's my normal schedule. I wake up late. And what I'm curious about, and I don't know if there, I haven't seen any studies yet on this because it would have to be, I guess, pretty long-term is that my thinking is, did you somewhere along the way, because you had sleep apnea developed, do you develop the opinion that you were a bad sleeper or you were a late sleeper because somehow you've associated, you know, going to bed, not necessarily with waking up rested, you know, and then that's kind of my, that's, that's something I'm, I'm curious about is Mm -hmm. how does your actual physiology and how you actually sleep influence your beliefs towards your sleep? Right. I think they definitely, that's such a good observation. I observe something similar to your own behavior and your own belief going to train each other. Yeah. And eventually go to a path, like make your sleep worse and Mm -hmm. people try to change it, but still following that path. So whatever the efforts they put in does not work, right? Because it's the wrong path. And then people feel like, learn helplessness or like my body must be broken whatever Mm -hmm. I do is not helpful (laughs) yeah I I think that also has to do with measurement because you know with like for example blood pressure I can see instantly you know what what the difference is with sleep it's it's um you know continuous monitoring is not really a thing you know I'm not going to get a uh, you know hooked up to a machine measuring my sleep apnea for years you know what I mean so I think uh, all you all you have then to know, did I sleep well, is my own attitude, my own belief um, the next the next day, because most people are, are used to waking up and feeling exhausted. That's just like that's that's a normal thing. So I think it's because it's it's hard to tell, like, did I sleep well last night? Did I not sleep last night? <laughs> right, right. Especially for patients with sleep apnea. I, when you talk, I was just thinking about my dad, right? Oh, <laughs> he, he, his data shows he has severe sleep apnea and he keep on saying, I'm fine. I don't have this problem. I sleep okay. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> that, that the data. I know that. I've Yeah, I've been actually, I started, uh, you know, 
working and talking with um, Dr. Gimenel from Stanford when I was in college. Um, so that was almost actually eight years ago. I started to kind of learn the research. And, and one thing that's been so difficult is, you know, you learn all this research about sleep and you, you hear the data and you talk to the doctors, but then you go and talk with your friends and your family. And it's like, you know, people think that like, it's, there's all these beliefs that are, you know, longstanding cultural beliefs, like, um, oh, if you sleep longer, you know, then that, that means you slept well. And it's really difficult to change someone's idea of that. And I'll tell, I have these conversations with people and they'll say like, oh, you know, I, I slept 12 hours. I, I'm a, I slept so well. And I'm like, yeah, like try and get them to think different. It's, it's kind of difficult. Oh, I totally, I can relate to that. Um, I, after I sleep, uh, after I learn about sleep, there's so many things just uh, shocked me. Um, personally too, <laughs> I realized, wow, even though I become a licensed psychologist, I, I was through like learning for so many years. I know so less about sleep. When I learn all this science behind sleep, my perceptions of sleep, most of them are wrong too, because I carry this culture belief also mm. and think sleep longer should be fine. You should just nap a lot and you can always catch up sleep later, mm. right? Um, and uh, if you cannot sleep at night, you should take sleep medication. There's just yeah. no other ways. It's a lot of things are wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I'm I'm curious about your experience as um, being a psychologist and mm-hmm. how how you approach sleep as a whole. Be, mm-hmm. You know, because there are sleep apnea can can you know influence insomnia mm-hmm. and it can influence someone's behavior, things like that. So, how do you approach that? Depends on what the problem is, right? That's why uh, no matter what kind of sleep disorders they may they may collaborate with a sleep psychologist for the treatment because mm-hmm. part of the work we do is to help people adjust their cognitive distortions so like if you have certain kind of misperceptions of sleep mm-hmm. we need to do some psychoeducation and use certain psychological tools to help you adjust the way you 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 look at sleep uh, issues sleep disorders Insomnia, that part is more, but for sleep apnea, some part, because sometimes we treat patients who don't like to use CPAP machine. Yeah. Uh, and then we help them to understand. Sometimes we even help them to have sessions with their partners together to have plans together as a team. Mm. Uh, and we sometimes do exposure therapy behavior-wise to help them get used to different type of mask and you know awesome. help them plan set up routines and uh, how to really help them to uh, wear the mask longer so yeah. there's a lot of different things we can do for people with uh, narcolepsy sometimes psychologists can help them to educate patients and families what the symptoms are how to schedule naps during the day. Those are more like behavioral techniques, right? And then cognitively, do you have misperceptions of this? Because some people view certain sleep disorders as laziness. 
if you are tired during the day because you cannot breathe very well at night, people don't think that's a sleep disorder. People think you are too lazy and, uh, you know, uh, something wrong with you and you have to change this. So we, we have to educate parents and family members, partners and the patients themselves and how to think about sleep differently. I think that's a big part of what psychologists are doing, especially well-trained sleep psychologists, because yeah. not every psychologist know how to do this. Yeah, uh, no, I, that's, that's great to hear. I've always, I've always heard when it comes to uh, successful CPAP adherence that it, it really does take a partner. So maybe that's not your bed partner or your spouse, but maybe that's a therapist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think this field is really cool and uh, I'm glad you are doing all this work in this field. And uh, oh, I have to ask you, like you collaborate with a lot of doctors. Does that mean um, doctors do recommend sometime your product to their patients if they don't qualify for a CPAP machine? Yeah, yeah. So if a patient comes in and their AHI is too low, insurance isn't going to cover their CPAP. Mm-hmm. then yeah, they can recommend nasally. It's all recommendation because we're over the counter. Right. Um, and so it, there are cases where, you know, it gets involved in a severe treatment plan, especially with uh, patients that are elderly. Um, and so it just kind of depends on, on what that doctor is looking to do. Mm, okay. So if our um, audience, our listeners are interested in the product, mm-hmm. how how can they find it and how can they read more, uh, know more about what you do? Oh, yeah. So we have a website. It's nasally.com. Um, we sell it on Amazon. You can get it there. You can also get it through CVS. So we're in local CVS pharmacies. Um, you can get it, you know, just go to the back, ask the pharmacist. They'll show you where the product's at. Um, but yeah, so you can get in those few different places. And, and then if your, uh, your sleep doctor happens to carry it, you can ask. Oh, okay. Great. Yeah. Thank you. I think these are very good information and I will put them on the, uh, show notes as well. Yeah. So, um, so it's about the end of our show. Any last wisdom you want to share with all our listeners who may struggling with, um, you know, sleep breathing problems or trying to figure out where to get started with their recovery journey? I think when you are thinking about sleep, that you always want to think of your airway first. The Right now, people go towards, you know, sleep hygiene. Um the lighting, all these different things. You go to their sleep app. If you're if you're concerned about your sleep, look at your breathing. Think about you know how well do I breathe? If I can't breathe, you know, go see the proper physician for that. Great. Yes, and uh, like really watch out the physical signs, right? Mm-hmm. And breathing is a big thing. And I agree, it relates to a lot of different health consequences and yeah. related to a lot of other sleep issues as well. Oh, definitely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So a good start point. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Great. Thank you, uh, Michelle, for coming awesome. to the show and sharing all this with our listeners. Great. And Thanks for having yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what do you think about your airway and sleep breathing problems? Leave me a message, let me know. If you want to find more sleep health related videos, 
you can go to our new YouTube channel at Mind Body Garden Psychology. So all the sleep resources can be found on our website at mindbodygarden.com sleep. Thank you for listening. I'm Dr. Yishan. I will see you next time. Bye. Sleep is an individual thing. We all sleep differently, and there is so much we can do to improve sleep quality. Keep hope and carry on. This podcast is for general informational purpose only and does not include the practice of medicine or other health professional services. Usage of the information we share is at the listener's own risk. And our content does not intend to be a substitute for any medical and professional services, diagnoses, and treatment. Please seek professional health services as needed.